about you rubik it's it's been kind of crazy how quick this is going yeah um it's uh growing fast as well like seeing a lot of more viewers come into the to the platform and to the pod um you know uh, lots of interest in immutable so we've picked a good subject matter i believe yeah. um but yeah i think this is i'm super excited for this one uh meeting who you're about to introduce yeah um so I, yeah i i i think hands down um best best uh guest to date we have inga <laughs> here from the roll-ups team at immutable hello welcome inga nice to meet you hi nice to meet you all um and very excited to be here <laughs> thanks so much for coming on um why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and um you know what made you kind of gravitate towards towards immutable um, I have a very interesting story at Immutable because I've been with the company for almost three years, which is an immutable time frame. It's like 10. Uh, I joined uh, actually on Goods and Chain side because I have background in uh, game engineering and game development. Uh, and that's how I slowly got dragged uh, into the Web3 world because my background is actually games. Um, I got very interested in the underlying technology back then. Uh, it was only StarkX. Uh, I started experimenting and playing with some of the technology on my own uh, and slowly moved to platform. Um, in the beginning, I worked as technical lead for our mainstream squad. It was a couple of years ago. Uh, my squad was the one who built the integration uh, for MoonPay. So you can exchange funds, um, bring funds into the system uh, and integrated the Magic Wallet uh, as a solution for some of our non-Web3 native partners. Wow, that's uh, uh, that's no small feat right there. Um, let's pause I'll right there. I'll use MoonPay. MoonPay is a savior. Thank you for that. <laughs> Absolutely. A thousand percent MoonPay has been a savior for uh, you know onboarding and, and interfacing with uh, Web3. So huge props to that. It was a very interesting project. I'm very happy with how it played out. Um, but after that, I decided um, I want to dive a bit deeper into the Web3 space. Uh, and that's how I ended up in Rollups, which is what we call a blockchain-heavy space at Immutable. Because uh, in my team, we have most of the blockchain engineers and protocol engineers. And now it's called Rollups team. So that's the team who is responsible for building the underlying platform level technology for all of our products to be integrated with. So that's all like StarkX is in, anything to do with StarkX and anything to do with ZK EVM that's yes. being built now? Yes. Oh, wow. Lots, and um, so, yeah, obviously 
How long have you been working on ZKMVM, if you're allowed to speak about that? Um, has that been a major focus of what you're working on now? How, can you, do you want to break that down? Uh, currently, yes. Currently, uh, our main focus is ZKVM, which is uh, built uh, in um, strategic alliance with Polygon Labs, as you'll probably know. We're very excited about this. We're also very close to some very exciting news uh, around this space. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but we're already in Alpha with our testnet. So we have, um, we're testing the integration, uh, seeing how all of this comes together, and we're very excited because we should be able to present it to all of you very, very soon. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. huge. That's huge. So I, I did hear from a, a little birdie that the, the alpha was, the test net mm -hmm. was there and live and, and everyone was, you know, getting a chance to play around with it. So exciting to hear it from uh, your mouth now, uh, I guess from, from your mouth to God's ears it goes. Um, and, <laughs> and we're excited. I'm definitely excited about how much uh, growth this is going to bring to Immutable. And uh, just given the tools that you can utilize with the ZK EVM technology, um, interacting with full on smart contracts and, and things of that nature, instead of just the StarkX implementation, um, allows for a lot more growth for Immutable. Um, when, when working on the EVM technology, I guess, uh, what is, what has been, I guess, your, your biggest pain point so far? Look, um, you call it pain point. I call it an adventure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, I like you um, already. Uh, I think um, for us, because we're working so closely with Polygon team right now, um, it is an adventure because we are integrating technology as the technology is being built. And there are obvious pros and cons to this. Um, some of this is, yes, the technology is developing as we're integrating, so you find interesting edge cases, you find interesting things that you haven't thought about yet. But at the same time, I think it's a very unique opportunity for us as a company to influence the direction of the whole industry. Uh, like we, we are doing something that's new, that's very exciting. And I've been the first company who is doing that, who's trying to provide this experience, allows us to sort of pivot the whole industry in the direction that we like. At least that's how I see it. Um, with um, the, like, the big thing about ZK EVM for me is that there's going to be the API aspect of it, like the, the, uh, the StarkX implementation, which is 100% API driven, but also the, the customizability. So like when it, is, when it launches on Testnet, what kind of, is that going to look like? Is it going to be, um, purely API driven at the start or purely custom um, driven? Are you allowed to, exp and also you might not be able to answer this question. Um, so if you, if you aren't, I'm oh, sorry, we'll move on to the next one. <laughs> uh, let me, I guess, roll back a bit. Um, I think one of the pros uh, of the StackX integration is yes, it is API driven. So it's quite easy uh, and adaptable for the Web2 Stack users, Web2 Stack engineers. Uh, and I think Ziki EVM addition um, allows us to bring more, on one hand, to bring more Web2, Web3 native users, because now you, mm -hmm. you can deploy your smart contracts, you can have interesting game mechanics around this. 
But at the same time, what we're trying to achieve, we're, we're trying to avoid this. Okay, if you're web to user, use this. If you're web to user, use this. If you're web to game, use this. If you're web to game, use this. Instead, we're trying to marry those uh, two groups. So depending on your level of knowledge and your level of needs as a game engineer, you should be able to build like either very deep Web3 custom mechanic that requires your own smart contracts, or you can go deploy the presets that we already made for you and just use something very simple to start you up on this Web3 journey. So I think um, I would suggest avoiding this um, this is the Web2 API driven. This is Web3 smart contract driven. We're actually trying to build something that's usable for all the game engineers. Um, it's just based on the level of knowledge that you have. You're going to use this technology or dive this deep into smart contracts or just like touch upon them easily with uh, our presets. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I, I like that because it, it really makes it so that the the technology meets the needs rather than the needs to meet the technology, right? So you're not making a game just because you want to use the blockchain and certain things. Um, but if, if it means that the mechanics are better because of blockchain, great. It doesn't, it, it, that's like an added benefit. It's not necessary. It can't be the core mechanic to the game or the core uh, reason for building the game. So um, I, I really like that approach. Oh, look, I think um, for me personally, I see this big future. Uh, as I said, I work in mainstream, which means I'm potentially, uh, I'm potentially very passionate about the Web2 users opening up this Web3 world for themselves. Mm. But I also think that um, as an industry overall, we need to start thinking about simplifying things for people who are just start doubling in this Web3 world. Uh, and um, here I'm talking about engineers, but also about the users. Um, because mm. quite often the user experience uh, is quite complex and quite hard to pick up for the beginners. So I think our goal as engineers, if we really want to bring more web to users into our web three games, is to simplify this process for them. And Immutable is very passionate about this specific aspect uh, of technology. How do we make those complex processes easier for the users that we're onboarding? Hmm. Is uh, that actually right, uh, travels on to the next point? Well. Uh, mutable passport checkout. I've, I've, Susan and I have both had the pleasure of uh, testing uh, checkout from the UI experience. Uh, that they, you know, doing some user testing for the for the company. Um, saw how exciting that's going to be. Is is that what you, are you working those two products as well, or are you separate to those? Um, we're building the underlying tech uh, for those products. Um, okay. uh, we work. Because one of the questions that you promised to ask me was around like what engineering managers do, and engineering managers are align, align, helping to align all of those product dependencies that we have. Because rollups yeah. are building the underlying tech, and then passport uses part of this tech, checkout uses a part of this tech. Um, our future like traders are using part of this tech for their technology assets for their indexer are using part of this tech. So it's very interesting. At least for me, it's very exciting to build this thing that everyone depends on, but it's also very challenging. 
Yeah, that and mm. that's a big part of it, right? Because as you as you mentioned, part of the checkout um, when you're using Passport, right, is is um, you you may be paying in a different currency for gas than you're paying in to purchase, right? So having the underlying technology that you said you're working on, right, that allows that piece of it to happen, to allows it to work, because without that. It it's not it's it just doesn't work. It's not simple enough like that. Um, so that's really amazing being able to see like where it all falls into place, right? From account abstraction of of your email address, right, to to being able to use that as as your token into hey, this is my login to um, this game, and it's also my wallet to uh, house my nfts that that allow me to interact with this gaming environment right so that's that's really huge yeah i'm very excited for passport because uh, i also got the chance to test it and use it and play with it just to see how well we satisfy the needs of this team and i think i see a very big future for passport specifically because here is the place where all of your assets are where you have all the control uh, and at the same time it's much easier to adopt uh, than um, another web3 wallet when you need to like understand all the conversion rates and understand all the like tokens relationships so i think I think it will be very, very interesting um, onboarding process and interesting and hopefully simple onboarding process for future gamers. So the future looks bright. Let's go. <laughs> I'd imagine that building ZK EVM is no simple task. There'd be huge amounts of uh, issues. Like what would you see as the biggest risk and the biggest challenge Maybe the different questions, maybe the same question um, for building the product. Uh, look, uh, it's quite interesting because as an, I guess as an as an engineering manager, the talent is a very interesting aspect of it because when you're using a new technology, and when you're trying to adapt this technology for your need and build around this. The question of skills is a very interesting question. Like, are there people on the market right now that can help us to build this very interesting system? Uh, are there people that we can upskill to help us to build this uh, new interesting system? Uh, but I think it's like a trailblazing problem. Like when you build something mm -hmm. new, you learn as you go, uh, and there is a specific risk in it, but it's also very exciting. Mm. Interesting. Um, when it when it comes, sorry, I'm going to jump in real quick. When it comes to that risk, right? When it when you said, you know, is there anyone that um, even has the skills to do this, right? And when it comes to that, how how is it that you find um, Immutable has like? Do you find that Immutable has what it takes to to think outside the box and really make it all work, right? Do, do you feel you have like the best team that you could, you know, that you could have? Well, personally, I think I have the best team in the world. <laughs> um, uh, uh, they are all very driven, very passionate uh, about the things, and they're fast learners. From my perspective, that's one of the most important requirements for like any engineer. 
constantly learn, constantly grow and be curious about new things. Um, so yeah, I believe in my team's abilities. I think um, the main problem with this is learning on your own mistakes is uh, very exciting, but we would prefer to learn on someone else's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's not an option currently. Uh, so um, yeah. it's, when when it's no one else is doing it, then uh, it makes it hard to learn from an, an, someone else's mistakes, right? So yes, but we're learning from ours very well. Uh, that's uh, something that my team is very good at. Like, I also think that another very important quality for an engineer is not to be afraid of failures, uh, because you fail, you learn from it. Uh, and you go faster next time. Uh, working with experimental technology, you're going to make some um, interesting mistakes. Uh, you're going to learn from them and you're going to build a better technology. I think being accepting of this is very important. Uh, and I, even in the time that we were working on this project, um, I can see my engineers growing so much and learning so much from this process that uh, I think it will make all of us better engineers uh, and it will make the better product at the end. Cool. I've got a, in terms of your role, like what is, an, we should probably ask this at the start, like what is the role of an engineer and manager at Immutable? And a little side question, do you still cut code? Um, I look at PRs mostly. That's that's the the best that I have time for. I don't really write code much anymore, unless it's for my pet projects. Uh, oops, sorry. Give me one sec. <laughs> As I promised, that was the dog. Um, <laughs> so, uh, getting back to this, um, I think. Um, Engineering managers, that's very interesting role in the industry right now, because the requirements for this role highly depend on the environment uh, that you work in. Some engineering managers are coding and like constantly in their day-to-day -day responsibilities. We have engineering managers like this at Immutable who are actually very passionate about writing code, figuring out the uh, production issues uh, or like building architectural solutions and uh, lucky for us Immutable gives you the opportunity to do this if you want to. Um, from my role, uh, just because as I said before, this is the underlying technology, underlying platform level product, there is a lot of alignment and a lot of dependencies that require management. Uh, like for example, if we won't finish this specific functionality and won't make it available in SDK on time, this product will be blocked until we do so. Uh, here are the new requirements that UX designers looked at the flow that we have and they think this is not sufficient. So they require improvements and those improvements need to be supported on the platform level. How do I fit this in uh, into my planning for this cycle into all the work that my engineers need to do? So it's um, it requires good understanding of what are we building. It requires good understanding of why we're building this because the question of priorities is always the most important question. Uh, should we build this first? Yes, should we build this first? Who is waiting on this product? Yes, who is waiting on this product? Will this uh, little code, code change unblock everyone, but at the same time create us the production issues in the long run? Uh, what are the risks and trade-offs that we're happy to make? Um, a lot 
that's a lot of my day-to-day uh, -day responsibilities. Constant monitoring of the risk, constant monitoring of the choices that we're making, and constant monitoring of the progress that we're making and the achievement of our goals. Is there any um, products that you can that you you are allowed to let the cat out of the bag? <laughs> any, any priorities that of, of actual functionality that you're allowed to share with us? That's a cheeky question. Sorry. <laughs> uh, look, I think um, it's not a secret to anyone that passport is a very big priority for all of us because we expect uh, amazing things um, from the usage of this product. Uh, also, check out uh, is doing some amazing stuff that uh, you've hopefully seen, and users will be very excited about this. Uh, we're also, uh, you mentioned the API integrations before, like for our asset indexer, there will be API that you can rely on. And it's also very important to make sure that we can discover the assets that exist, that you can see them, you can do whatever you want with them, depending on your use case. So I think it's actually, there are no unimportant products. If there were unimportant, we wouldn't be working. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I like how, you know, when when you said learning from your mistakes and all of that um definitely like myself being an engineer and knowing what it's like to work on something where like you said it, it's a small cha code change now that unblocks a small area right but is it going to be a headache down the line right and we've all known those those changes mm. um and and knowing how to manage that like you said being being a manager between these different sub teams um, is is a huge feat to to be able to do because that uh, requires understanding the bigger picture of of everything, right? So um, that's a big role to to have to undertake. Is there is there anything? Um, Actually, do you have any job openings? Um. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We, we're constantly hiring. Uh, so please, please apply. But also another thing where, that... Where, sorry, go. go, go, go. Uh, another thing that worth, that's worth mentioning that... And don't laugh. Uh, a lot of this is actually moral support of the team. Uh, it's something that I think sometimes being underrated. Um, we work... All of us engineers, we work in a high stress environment uh, and just having support of your team, having support of your manager, understanding why you're doing things that you're doing. Why is this important to deliver those things? How does it align with your career goals and interests? This is also something that engineering managers take care of. And I think we need to acknowledge it because it's a very big part of team's health and team's morale. Oh, that's 100 percent. Yeah. I work in a in a in a team that's inherited a really really terrible code base, and we have the most wonderful manager. And if without him, I have no idea how I would be like turn up the week work each day, knowing that we're going to get bombarded by the business because of something that a coder has done in the in the past. So having that support from our manager is the reason why it's one of my favorite jobs ever. And so I, and there's no doubt in my mind that. That's the, not, not a laughable matter. It's actually in the, in the development team. It's probably the most important thing. Actually, um, where, whereabouts are your teams located? Are they all in Australia or are they all around the world? Um, uh, we have engineers in Australia. We have engineers in New Zealand. Some of them are in Sydney. Some of them are across Australia. So we are 
I would say, heavily distributed team, which is an additional aspect that plays a role in like team morals and team interactions, because there is a bit of time difference. Um, there is a bit of, I guess, holidays difference. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I actually, I really enjoy working with distributed teams because I think it gives you a chance to like, strangely learn more about people, people living in different countries, in different cultures, coming from different backgrounds. Uh, so I think sometimes people call it a challenge. I actually see this as more of an opportunity um, to build a healthy team that's um, that's efficient, um, but at the same time, that's comfortable for people with different backgrounds and maybe even different expectations. Hmm. Absolutely. Um, I've got a question about, um, this is speculation from my point of view and perception more than facts. So I just wanted to see if you uh, see what your thoughts are on this. Uh, you know, in the past, I've seen a few comments about Immutable being slow to deliver product. Um, and then I've seen Robbie made a comment a couple months ago about the velocity of the, of the engineering team being like at peak levels now. Can, is there is there any truth to that statement that the engineering practices have improved over time and that the velocity of the development's improved? Yes, um, we are. I think as any startup and scale. Sorry, you just going to mute. Sorry. Yeah. Um, let me start over. I don't know what happened here. Any, any. You were saying any, any startup and scale like that. Any startup and scale up um, is in hopefully uh, in constant uh, process of improving uh, the metrics and methodologies that they apply so, to support the growth. Uh, and I'm actually very happy with how things are going uh, at Immutable uh, with this because our engineering practices are getting more mature. Um, our product practices are getting more mature. Uh, and it helps us a lot because um, I guess it's a question of metrics, right? The metrics that work for a team of three people will probably, and approaches that work for a team of three people are probably not the things that are going to work for the team of 30 and definitely not the things that are going to work for the team of 300. So um, I definitely see a lot of improvement there, but it doesn't happen on its own. Uh, it happens because we're constantly paying attention to this, because we're constantly monitoring uh, what is our deliverable rate, what is our cycle time, uh, what, how much time do we spend in the incidents, how much time it takes us to diagnose issues, how much time the bugs spent uh, in the pipeline before they're fully addressed. Um, uh, it's constant monitoring is very important and then adjusting your process based uh, on the information you get from this monitoring is also very important uh, but uh, i can like if you're asking me to share my metrics um, cycle time within my team improved dramatically since we started tracking it because tracking it is not enough you need to address it each time you need to look at your pipeline and say okay we worked on those three things at the same time this two uh, we estimated correctly but this one we maybe underestimated or overestimated what happened there how did we get here and what can we do better what we can do better in the future um so i think it needs to be intentional 
Um, if the engineering team wants to make improvements, and I think every engineering team should want to make improvements, uh, because we strive for perfection, right? Um, <laughs> Always. So, yes, I think it, it, it's very important to be intentional about those things because they are not going to happen on their own. If they do, you're probably very lucky. That's not my experience so far. They, things don't just improve randomly out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's, a, that's a huge thing when talking about engineering workflows. Um, when uh, planning a sprint or something and saying, hey, it's going to take, uh, you know, three days to do said, said thing. And, and the first time trying to do that, that operation, you may be off by a day or two. And, and that's okay. But what, you know, doing that postmortem, lear learning, hey, where were we off and why? Um, and then rolling that into the next uh, iteration and saying, hey, we were off last time because of this. We learned from it. Now we now we know how to attack something like this and then go from there. And like you, you mentioned it before, learning from those mistakes that you made previously um, is is a huge thing. So I love I love seeing that at a startup because sometimes when a startup grows, uh, they grow so fast that things become second nature when someone joins that, hey, oh, this is just part of the process. You'll learn to deal with it. That's not an acceptable answer, right? And that's that's what a lot of places tend to do because they're growing so fast, right? And being able to get those engineering practices down early and know that, hey, this is the process. This is how we're going to go through it and learn from it. And it's okay to make a mistake. That's where you get the culture of like knowing that you're building a great product. As, um, I think it's important to acknowledge that when we talk about mistakes, it doesn't mean, oh my God, I wrote the line of code that did work. Um, it can mean I overestimated or I underestimated. Uh, it can mean I did not communicate uh, my timeframe changes to the correct people, to the stakeholder. It can be I made the incorrect assumption about the product. Um, it can be um, I just really wanted to explore this technology, so I added this very, very complex startup. No one really needs just because I really wanted to try it. So all of those things will happen and it is okay as long as you can reflect on it uh, and learn from it and do better next time because that's the process of growth and the same applies for the engineering teams overall uh, yes we tried this process it didn't work for us maybe i don't know we tried kanban and it didn't work so we got back to uh sprints or maybe something else, like we try not to have stand-ups and everyone just run in their own direction. Not the <laughs> so we should not try. Uh, we should. That sounds uh, very specifically uh, like it happened once. <laughs> Are you um, in a Scrum? Is it Scrum you use? Is that the methodology for development? Yes. Um, but okay. I think an interesting thing about Immutable, I just wanted to mention it, that on the company level, Everyone is encouraged to challenge the processes that we have. And that's something that I think is very, very important because uh, we have different teams. The team that works on Passport needs to deliver their thing and they are encouraged to figure out the process that works for them 
to deliver passport. If it's Kanban, it's Kanban. Uh, if it's Scrum, it's Scrum. Uh, if they want to do something completely different, they can do something completely different and find process that works for them. Um, that's why some people have um, what they call it stand-ups and some people have stand-downs because they figured out that at the end of the day, stand-up, which is a stand-down, works better for them. Uh, some people uh, use user stories, some people use ethics. Um, yes, it can be a bit hard to manage uh, when you have teams playing with like different approaches, but um, you can always make a case for this thing work very well for my team. Should, does someone else, does some other team want to try it and see if it works for them? And I think it's very healthy because it allows you to experiment, it allows you to improve, uh, and it allows you to share the experience with other teams. Okay. Um, I want to go back to the the tech, what you're building, and see if I can squeeze some alpha out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, what, what's the most exciting feature from from what you've been building other, other like maybe with the zk evm technology with polygon is there anything that you think we, maybe even if it's not telling us what it is but letting us know that there is something that's going to surprise us or and uh to look at keep an eye out for there are things that are going to surprise you um really yes um uh, and uh, they they make me very excited because with our main focus on games game building um i think some of the new features that we're working on will make lives of game engineers much easier and will make ux of onboarding new users much easier and a lot more exciting so um i cannot give you details but um <laughs> uh, keep an eye on the commentation when do, when do we find out about that not the date but at testnet no or, or no, i'm not asking for date i'm asking for like is it when testnet comes live does that become apparent uh does it come apparent when mainnet comes live or is there a, a certain point in the delivery where we'll find about these exciting things um look i think that reasonable approach would be to have stuff on testnet before you have it on mainnet right <laughs> i love how careful you've been advancing that question <laughs> i you, you noticeably changed your tone of voice and space of speaking to make sure you didn't get in trouble there so very very smart <laughs> uh look there are exciting things uh and um some of them my team is delivering some of the other teams are delivering um no one is let me put it like this no one is working on boring stuff yeah like some of the stuff that needed might be slightly boring around like monitoring and alerts and all of that but it's needed to achieve this very interesting and very exciting goal um so keep an eye on the documentation page you'll see some things coming nice yeah, um, now, what, what now, now you got me like waiting. I'm gonna, I'm like gonna go over the the developer page and make sure my notifications are on anytime new documentation is uploaded. Uh, look, we actually have the team that's working on documentation, and they are doing absolutely amazing work. I think they are um, constantly improving, constantly monitoring things uh, to make sure that the I guess most important questions that the engineers have are answered. Um, but I'm sure they will appreciate any feedback that you can give on it. So please let us know how how we're going with the documented stuff. It's definitely improved over time. And when the first iteration of documentation for StarkX was 
going to be diplomatic and say could have been better. Um, but definitely the latest stuff that's coming out makes it a little bit more simpler to follow. Um, and again, that comes down to, I guess, what you've been saying, that everything's improving, everything's with, with, as the as the whole company develops from a scale-up startup to being more mature, you, you, these things will just naturally get better if you put the right practices in place to, to allow them to. Um, yeah, that's I'm, I don't, I'm now lost for words because I'm so excited to wait to see what happens with ZKVM. I like, um, you hear things like, new chains that are off ethereum like that sweet chain and all their claims that they can do you know like all this stuff that that's built for games and i'm like is immutable going to have another thing up their sleeve to to counteract that to make sure that that what they're offering is on par or better than that or at least can meet the standards so that's what i meant by that question and hopefully that that can ha that's happening yeah i'm super excited uh to see the future for immutable um as as we head out here is there anything else that you uh, want to share with us about, um, you know, maybe life at Immutable? Anything specifically about uh, what it is, at, you know, what it's like for the at working with the zero knowledge uh, team? Anything? Look, I think something that I learned over time that at the end of the day, we're all building things for someone. We're not building things in vacuum that are never going to be used or just going to be used by us. And being aware of this person at the end of the line, this person who is going to use your product, this person who is going to rely on your documentation, the person who is going to rely on your error codes that you give them. Uh, it is, it's very important. Um, just asking this question, am I making the life of this person at the end of the line easier or harder? How are they going to use this product? What do they want from this product? Um, this is very, very important because um, I don't know about you, but me as an engineer, I get overly excited about tech stuff. Um, I am going to say it out loud. I tend to over-engineer stuff. Um, because I'm like, I want to try this framework. I want to try this thing. Um, and I think this more reasonable approach of let's make sure that the product that we're building serves the need of this person at the end of the line, that it's easy to use, that it's exciting to use to some extent, that's also very important, uh, is a big learning that we all can use a bit more of. Yeah, actually, I wanted to ask one more question in relation to that. Sorry, we're, we're rolling out, but um, I did want to ask it about, we've seen a noticeable uptick in winning um, products that Immutables won since the KEVM announcement. Is that because these sales team are able to pitch these things that we the, the general public don't know about yet that is giving Immutable an edge? Because they seem to be winning majority of the really high-profile products, uh, the games that are coming out to launch. Uh, I think they're just that good. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> they're, uh, they're pretty good, aren't they? I actually gave, um, I don't know who Soros' manager is, but I know Soros pretty senior in the sales team. And, uh, you know, in my, in my weekly newsletter about Immutable, I normally give a team of the week or a game of the week or something like that. And I just gave it to the sales team that last, last episode because Soros and his team, because... They are phenomenal. They're just absolutely kings of, you know, getting a, a, the positive message out about Immutable and obviously winning because of that. 
Man, if I could screen grab the look we just got, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, man. It must, it must feel good to know that you've got that team. Like, if you build the kind of field of dream things, if you build it, that will come. That doesn't, that's, that's garbage. You actually need, if you build it and you have an amazing sales team, that will come. It must feel so good to have that team going to back up your work that you're building to, you know, obviously engineers love to have people use their products they build. So how, do you want to talk about that a bit? Look, I think um, you asked me like what excites me about working at Mutable. And I think at the end of the day, tech is cool, um, the process is cool, the games are cool, but the company is made by people who work at it. Uh, and I work with I work with amazing people. Um, I work with very smart, very driven people that really know what they're doing. Um, and um, I interview people for Immutable um, for different roles constantly, and they quite often ask me about this, like, how is it to work at Immutable? And I work I work with very smart people. Um, they have so much energy, they have so much knowledge, and they are so open to new experiences and new things and learnings that just, just constantly inspires me. Uh, and it's uh, it's um, fair for, it's not just about like the engineering team, our product team is amazing, our BD team is amazing, um, team that works on development, doc development documentation is amazing. I just see a lot of very smart very driven people around me. Uh, and I think that's the best thing about the company. Present company included. Yes. I've not, we've worked that out in, in, in the 40 minutes we've had been discussing with you that you're obviously one of those as well. So um, congratulations on, on, on building this EKEVM product, getting the community excited. And um, yeah, I, I'm like a little mess here because I just I'm more giddy now. I'm excited about when this EKAVM gets released. So, thank you for building it for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you for everything. Um, you know, taking the time to to spend with us. Tell us a little bit more about what it is you're you're working there, working on there, and um, you know, talking about purpose built engineering and and what it is you um, offer in um in immutable with the zero knowledge team and thank you again for for coming and hanging it out and telling us a little bit more about it sure the pleasure was online thank you so much for inviting me awesome all right that was uh that was really awesome inga from the zk proof team uh, coming on from immutable x giving us some insights of what it's like to be uh on the team there at Immutable. Really appreciate taking the time. And uh, I'm excited uh, really to see what's to come from ZK EVM and, and what it allows these games uh, to do. And and honestly, a lot of games have been waiting for the tech to, to really roll out a lot of their features. So um, I'm excited for it to just kind of come out and, and a lot of the games can get their stuff out there. Yeah, I think from the discussion, it was like, there's a bit of almost alpha in there, you know, like uh, we're expecting, you know, lots of lots of things have been talked about, what's coming with EVM, like the relay, all, the, all this stuff, but not a lot of detail about what they actually do and how they do it. So um, 
yeah, it'd be interesting to see these uh, announcements come once uh, Testnet starts to see what else this uh, tech's going to do to make it easy for developers to build on the platform. Um, I don't think people understand how important building, making building easy for developers is um, so, and making tools that make it easy for develop, for gamers to get on and play the games. So interesting yeah. to see what happens there with, with, that, with that. I mean, yeah, there, there definitely was like kind of some alpha, you know, really when she, she was talking about relayer and things like that and um, the intricacies of uh, paying for, for gas when you may not have that token that gas is paid in. So, um, yeah. And the, you know, the secret features as well, what she said that, that, you know, that's coming and I'm looking forward to finding what they are. Absolutely. And, and just, you could tell from, from a developer getting excited about stuff and, and stuff like that, you can, you can tell that we're getting close. So excited to see what's to come here. Um, your your bet's almost you've almost lost the bet so unless it comes out in from two days of this recording on the uh, so you know you've lost the bet uh, well it still has to come out in august for me to win so you had the first half of august of zkm testnet remember the bet yeah oh yeah i remember um so you got two days to go and i've got uh, uh, it's got to be out uh before the end of august or oh, we're both wrong <laughs> so i uh, can't wait for that to see and see the game well i'm in the u.s so i we technically i still have three days to go so oh that's right we go off well we'll go off we'll go off u.s time because <laughs> right. you know the u.s is the center of the universe <laughs> yeah you didn't see the map no, no. But like when we, the globe when we draw it it starts with the, the... <laughs> yeah i've seen that map u.s everyone else <laughs> you've seen that map yeah you the global map to the u.s u.s oh, yeah. everyone else <laughs> yeah canada's just Love our America. top hat okay yeah okay that's a good idea all right, cool. Um, so ZK, that discussion was my favorite so far. I hope we uh, can find out more very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got to get more from uh, the immutable team to come by. Um, so I know we've done some reaching out and hopefully we'll get uh, some of that coming here in, in, in the near future. So, Well, we do have a lineup with uh, an onboarder, uh, someone, uh, someone in the solutions team that deals with customers in the sales process and getting them on board. So. Hopefully we get that will be around about the time of the the launch and uh, maybe you'll get Robbie to come on and say good day uh, as well. Yeah, um, as as soon as as soon as he you know tweeted the other day that he was on a podcast uh, recently and I was like, hey, come on the pod and and you you mentioned <laughs> uh, you know you'd you talk to him so hopefully we can get him to come by. Uh, fingers crossed. So. We'll see. Maybe after ZK EVM testnet's launched, and so we can get so you can talk more. And that, and that's so. that's exactly what I was hoping for. So we could talk a yeah. little bit more candidly about it rather than having to read between the lines or whatnot. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, let's get started. We got some new projects, uh, some some projects that have been previously announced, just uh, kind of building under the radar, if you will, um, and. Let's start out with uh, Metatoys Dragons, yeah? Yeah, I did a bit of research on that one. Um, um, Sandbox, not the Sandbox game, but an organization called the Sandbox Network in Korea. Huge uh, organization around gaming. It touches every single aspect of gaming from development to esports to socials, everything. Um, Raised 100 million US dollars, close to 100 million US dollars in Series D funding. So... Um, they're 
pretty well established building the Metatoy Dragons saga. Uh, it's like a little collectible game where you collect little dragons, uh, pixelated style game, but a little bit, little bit cuter than pixelated. Um, and it's a battle game. Actually, you're having a game, a pre-registration game, uh, so people can register now on the App Store or the iOS Store. Um, and the more people that pre-register for the game, uh, the more rewards that you get as a pre-register. So everyone should get on. And it's already unlocked the first uh, uh, link. Um, what's like the called? first uh, tier? Milestone, yeah. Okay. So we've got a long way. They, they want to get to 300,000 pre-registrations. They're only up to about a couple of thousand at the moment. But um, 10,000 is the next reward, I believe. So check that out. Meta Toy Dragons Saga on or the Sandbox Network, Sandbox Network on Google Play, Apple App Store. Um, also, um, yeah, they're... That you can get a free mint now if you get in early. So if you do pre-register, you can then go onto their uh, on on Twitter. They've got a link to a, a free mint. So if you want the first five hundred to do that, which it's still over, it's still open now, so it must be still available uh, at the time of this recording. So jump pre-register, jump on and get your free NFT mint. Um, a couple of we missed this project for which it was it was so many projects getting announced. We just forgot to talk about it because it is about a week old. This this. Bit over a week old this announcement, so sorry about missing it last week. No, uh, I, I think we've had a lot going on, and, and honestly, every every week uh, they're unveiling more stuff, so uh, it, it gets a little hectic. But um, we do our best. It's yep. it's been we've had a lot to cover. So, yep. um, the next one that we had was uh, it was already uh, uh, known uh, that it was building on Immutable, but. Um, Rune Realms uh, is officially announced now. So, Rune Rune Realms Rebirth and Rune Realms Clash are the the two main games that that they're coming out with. Um, the The Clash is kind of like a turn based hex uh, fighter where you have like a golem and and something like that, and you have different vehicles and things like that it looks pretty neat and then rune realms clash is is like a clash clash of clans style um game that honestly looks pretty cool i like the i like the artwork a lot and uh excited to see what that's about one thing i was i was uh interested about is with the nfts uh the they're deflationary nfts that give you revenue share uh percentage at meta studio so meta studio is the the main studio uh producing and meta studio actually has a whole list of other games that they've uh already created and that are also in the pipeline so uh pretty interesting to see what they're doing over here um and and how they're they're building this out and uh looking forward to seeing a little bit more about it actually um it looks like they have their their mint prices available as well on their on their page it shows that the discord ogs have a five dollar uh um discount on their on their minting and then uh to public it's twenty dollars so um pretty cool uh building on the zk evm polygon so yeah, they um, I'm, when they announced in May, I think it was May. I, I jumped on a space with them, and they have a, a different take on how to grow uh, the ecosystem. So they're not 
looking at making their funding through NFTs. Uh, they've got NFTs, but they're sort of like a separate thing uh, that are revenue sharing, I believe. Um, maybe they've changed this. So this is two-month-old data. Um, and, you know, they, they want to build the game first and make the fun play and then introduce NFTs in the earning aspect later on once the games are hit. So that was what they were planning on. I kind of actually challenged them on that in, on the spaces and said, I think you shouldn't do that that way. But we're interested to see how, what they end up coming with. Um, you know, and let me actually clarify that. Like, I, I think what the, the crypto gaming world offers is, you know, this, the real economies. If your game's designed to be a, a real economy, then you should use a token, is my opinion. That's just my opinion, personal opinion. It creates, you know, that attachment to your ownership of your of your of the game, of your ability to earn money. But when it's a fighting game or a versus game, a PvP game, having a little few tokens on the line if you win or lose just gives me that personally that extra little bit of a, you know, excitement about the game. And so, I, personally, I believe that they should put tokens in. But they said they weren't going to until after the games are largely successful. So, it'd be interesting to see what they end up doing with that. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting take on it. But uh, like you said, it, if it has a properly um, developed economy, um, then the token should be uh, in place. Um, but if if you know they're still kind of working out how uh, people are going to be utilizing it, really, then I, I would see why they'd want to wait. But um, there's lots of people that say that that what you know i've seen a lot of people comment that you know even the nfts shouldn't be nfts until the games you know seem to be successful so, so you know we'll you know no one knows the right balance yet there's nothing been a real hit out sustainable star so all of us are just theoretical experts <laughs> absolutely and and i think um i think it was derek recently uh derek lyle from immutable he tweeted uh ex immutable ex immutable excuse me but i i still <laughs> i still really uh like his take on a lot of stuff is that um it, it's hard to see what the future is because we don't have enough games out right and and mm. now that we have like five ten games uh in beta that are are playable hopefully here in the in the near future we'll start to see how this is going to play out and how these things are going to develop. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm really waiting to, to find out myself. Yeah. So this next one, we have, uh, Chris Dow. Um, yep. Tell us a little so bit. It's, uh, yeah, I, I found out they announced, I found out about these guys at least for, I'd say four months ago, three months ago. And, um, formed a pretty cool, I was one of the first people in the server I you know they they were permissionless builders they were, had no relationship with the mural um and I helped them grow their community just through advertising not advertising but just talking about them and and, and you know, letting people know that they exist they're building a TCG slash in probably like shardbound um similar in in Aradena okay with that that hex based map where the hexes have uh, buffs and you've got different heroes that have different powers based on where they are and things like that. So it's like a strategical hex-based game. Um, and they've got a real unique take on e economy. Um, you know, like there's going to be like the mode where you can put 
put token down on the line for if you win or lose. So like kind of like betting. Um, uh, so and they've got, I haven't looked into too deeply to be able to explain exactly the tokenomics they've got, but it's um you know there's there's three different modes. It's fun one fun mode, one of that betting one and one where it's just you know um you know in between those two, um like a maybe a rank match that you don't have to pay and yeah it's, it's just another vein. They're Dutch guys, family, uh, brother, two brothers and a and a cousin of the same uh, family and just really nice guys that that building they stopped because of the bear market and sort of decided to come back again and built the team again. And, you know, they're all fully doxxed and I've, you know, I've worked closely with them and they've also, um, I introduced them to immutable, uh, the, the team there and based on a third party that I'm not allowed to say, uh, but there's this opportunity that's huge. Uh, it's going to be massive. Uh, it's a partnership that was involving polygon as well as immutable now. And as well as the, Crystal with this Web two organization that's got millions and millions of gamers. So, you, I was uh, one that kind of brokered that. They asked me to do the introduction because they, you know, they we had such a good relationship, and so I did that for them. And yeah, and that was apparently just that was announced a couple of days ago that this has been signed now a couple of months later, and it's going to be delivered, and everyone will find out about it soon. Awesome. I, I can't wait for it. Um, you still haven't even told me that, you know, that's how serious, you know, this is, uh, you know, it's not like <laughs> offline. He's giving me some sort of, uh, privileged information. So, uh, really excited to see. Sworn to secrecy, mate. If you, if I'm sworn to secrecy, you've got to stay secret. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and honestly, I, I, I can't wait for a lot of this stuff to start hitting, um, like the next one, Fractalians, um, it's like a smaller team too. And, uh, it, you know, they, they won a hackathon community vote winner. Uh, so it, it already has some like, Hey, uh, we see what you're doing here type thing and we like it. So that's, that's always a good start to, to a new game. Um, and I like what they're doing with like the, the co-op ARPG, um, allowing for, um, a style of gaming where you're going to go and, and do um, a dungeon, if you will. And you could play a dungeon by yourself, or you could go and play a higher level de- dungeon that you wouldn't be able to defeat uh, if you weren't with uh, teammates. Right. And that's, yeah. that's something that brings a spin to it. That that's really cool as well as, you know, building the the whole guild infrastructure and the whole like raid and everything infrastructure that gives people that that feeling of ownership and that feeling of like hey nostalgia of, of when they they've gone and done that and wow or something like of the nature right and <clears throat> it, it it's something that um is i think underutilized right now uh, a lot of games are are very stale in in the essence that you're you're playing by yourself and you you know you don't necessarily get to to show off your skills quote unquote other than like a leaderboard um so it it's something to like also building uh a character so that like hey i'm building in this style you build in that style um really shows like the I don't know, like how, yeah, the synergies, right? Of, of like, hey, let's go try this boss. 
with this combos, I, th- these yeah. combos, and then if we can't beat them, hey, I got this other build that we could try, you know, and that's yeah, that's something that's always fun. Um, uh, they're uh, they've got 20, 20 team, at least twenty um, developers on their team, or twenty designers, developers, and and you know artists. So they're small, but they're not they're not completely um, small, uh, you know, like a complete indie th- two three man job. Um, they have. Um, they do services for other games as well. So they've built and they've built games before. So they're not a new studio. They're from Kuwait. Um, yeah, so that, was, that was really cool to see the Kuwaiti led team. Um, I like I like seeing that. Yeah, they're very proud of the heritage and that they're one of the first, if not the first, Web three focused. Um, you know, well, Web three game to come out from from the from the region. Um, so. Um, they they've got they're still in um, flux with their tokenomics design. Um, you know, there's a lot that maximizing that big system of three different game modes. They've also got a um, a hub, like so, a fourth zone where you can just log in and just play around non-combat and just show off your characters. So that. I think that's really clever because, like, if people own their NFTs and own like everyone says, what's the point of owning them if you can't show them off? You know, so well, you can show them off in a showroom, or you can watch check my wallet address. But actually, in the game, where you can go up to someone and you know view their their armor and weapons and stuff, and see that they've got this super rare item or this high level item that you know that you aspire to, it just brings brings me back to a EverQuest days when I was a nerd and had this top twenty shaman in the world. Um, and people used to come up to me and just go, wow, you know, look at your, your items and Ooh, just be like shiny. dreaming one day, <laughs> one day I'll be like you. And then wow come out and made it world of clones that everyone was, you'd log on and you hit the treasure chest until you're the same as everyone else. So, you know, yep. and ruin that, 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 uh, that ability for that to shine, but maybe NFTs bring that back. Maybe NFTs, you know, like where they, where there's these rare, super rare one of one style items that you can put on a character you get to show them off you know like a you know alluvium you know being on a deck where you've caught what one of the rarest of rare alluvials and are playing it on a board people can see that you've got this art this this character that not many other people have yeah exactly uh like yeah. some some crazy ember links or ramfire or something like that that you 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 know like not many people have and and being able to say hey this this one's mine you know um is is really cool and I, I like me, that's, uh, that's sorry. Go go ahead. No, to me, that's like what missing in gaming today. Like everyone can get access to everything because Riot and Blizzard and all the big chains just chains game studios just get really fun games that hardcores can benefit in and dumb it down for the normies that are just casual players. You know, League of Legends is you know Dota, but just for people that don't have the time to sink into it. Um, and therefore, it's bigger because there's more normies and casual gamers than there are hardcore. And so, those all to me, those studios have destroyed that 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 ability to to aspire to be something better or see someone that's got better item than you because they just all have the same items in every game. COD, every single game, everyone's got the same items because there's no they they realize they can make money quicker. So maybe yeah. I'm hoping NFTs can solve that problem. Yeah, because it is a problem to me. Yeah, and that's what I was gonna say. I li- I like the exclusivity. I like what they're doing. You know, to make you stand out from from the rest. Yeah. You know, so yeah. So um, 
Guild of Gardens playtest. Uh, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I played uh, well over the, the average eight hours. Um, and um, it was really... I, I, I really enjoyed being able to... Once I was a- able to pass that, that fourth dungeon, figure out, you know all the different heroes and, and start leveling them up and pick, picking different synergies, like I said uh, previously about, you know, uh, Fractalians and stuff, but um, that that was probably one of the best uh, demos that I've played in a while. No, I can't believe it. Five, four to five months of development to get to that. They restarted the code base from scratch. Yeah, they had the art and direction and story and all that stuff, you know, design, but to just that division of two years of trial and error and realizing what they wanted and then to get that out in four to five months though is unbelievable yeah and i i played the first beta or you know alpha or whatever and it was nothing like that you know um so it's incredible it would be cool if you could control your characters on the map a bit and put them in positions and stuff but like it is a bit of an auto battle rather than a roguelite if you ask me but it's i can see that it'll work for people but I, i think the the casualness where you can watch TV and play it or have a shower like Tao did. Yeah. Well, you can, you that can was, control. That was an easy win. You got to say that, that was an easy win in that competition. Yeah. You, you, you can control like frontline, backline type stuff. Uh, and like when yeah. they do their ultimates, but I, 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 I see what you're saying. I mean like the ARPG to complete auto battle by a couple of positional things and, and timing of your ultimates. It just seems it's very, Simplified, but it, it is like, you know, Candy Crush is one of the biggest games of all time. And I, I sit there and just baffle my mind at that every single time I think about that. You know, like, so it doesn't need to be like, if you don't get the ARPG right, like they didn't with the GOG playtest one, which was so boring. I could literally was like struggling to log into a game, you know, that I was looking forward to so much when it was when it was in beta. Um, to this, where I was actually engaged and in, in wanting to grow. And actually my... When they announced it only on iOS, my, the only iOS device I got in my house is my wife's uh, mobile. So I had to register on that. And then we were fighting over um, when I was allowed to have it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get many hours in. I was constantly wanting to play, but couldn't. So, because it was her phone. Um, so, yeah. That's anyway, pretty funny. It was, um, yeah, it was it a lot was, of fun. Uh, it's definitely the right move for them. Uh, Chris Clay, like, you know, is, uh, you could tell he he's, Demeanor was completely different at the release of this playtest compared to when he first took over the task of changing this project. Around. Oh yeah, big time. Can, can you notice how he was just so much more relaxed and stress, not stress-free, but it felt less stressed and he did a good, let me get that, they get that wrong. He did, like, I only looked into the way he was because of how much stress I thought he would be under to turn this project around. Right. And and there's a few little things that you know that he come unstuck with the wording and that because you know under extreme pressure that he would have been under to get this game delivered, uh, you know like it's, it was supposed to be the flagship game of Immutable and 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 the previous team that built it just drove it to the ground, from not just the game from the community aspect as well. Like there's a lot of community members that were disgruntled about the, about where Gog had been ended up, you know, before February, and then I've seen that community that slowly turn around and start to believe again and now with this play test some of the people that were completely and utterly uh, gog will never be something i'll ever play ever again i'll just sell my assets when they go up it's those people turn around going that that was fun i really enjoyed it so 
he's turned it around again, mate. Like he's built three or four games that have been superstar hits, including Gods and Chain, when it, considering it had 600,000 players at one stage. Um, in the Web3 space, that's huge. And so, you know, he's, he's going to do I believe he's going to do it again. Yeah. And I, I can tell when we went uh, to do like the, the little walkthrough before we got access to the game, I could tell from the beginning that his demeanor had changed. Um, he, mm. he was like, as soon as they did the intro, he was like, hey, I want to start showing you guys gameplay. Uh, and he's like, you know, and he, he is immediately started streaming and, and showing like, hey, this is my favorite thing to do. And Hey, if you get this, uh, if you get this rune, make sure you get it. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, we made it, we made it legendary for a reason. Uh, and I, I just think it, it was, uh, he had this mountain to climb when he first took over the project and coming into the play test, he knew he was on a winner, you know, he yeah. knew that the people were going to enjoy it. And so, well, he, it was more, he's confident that they were going to enjoy the playtest. So because it was really fun and it, it, the stats don't lie, you know, everyone played multiple hours, hardly anyone logged in and never logged in again. So I logged in once and never logged in again. So hats off, Chris. What well up, mate? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Golf clap, golf clap, golf clap. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so next let's go into a little bit about GameStop <clears throat> situation with the, you know, their wallet discontinuing their wallet. Um, big news, but uh, not necessarily shocking. Um, they hadn't updated the the wallet in quite some time uh, on iOS or Android, and uh, basically they didn't didn't you know no longer had a team um, supporting the wallet because I, I know quite a few people on that team um, that no longer work for the company, right? So, um, uh, pretty. Yep. Pretty straightforward there. Um, a lot of people in the GameStop community that aren't so uh, Web3 savvy uh, got scared, you know, and uh, a lot of hollering of, hey, is this going to be the end of Web3 for uh, GameStop? And and I don't, I don't see it as that. Um, they actually just updated their Marketplace homepage for the first time in forever. Um, so that's a good sign. Um, and you know the the creator economy um i know that just yesterday loopring and um protocol gemini and a couple other people had a a big uh twitter space and had a huge huge showing um of support there so i know the community is still uh alive and well um also i don't think that it is uh, the end of GameStop when it comes to their player, um, mm. because I know. I'm interested to see your, your take on that because I don't know enough about that this aspect. But uh... yeah, so Telos said that hey, we are not going forward with the um, partnership with GameStop, and my take on that was uh, Telos really never had anything, and um, once they tried to lure people or projects over with the announcement and like probably 10, 20, maybe if that 10 uh, even got to back to them to, to say, Hey, yeah, we want to build with you guys. Um, it, it was really strange uh, announcement to start with uh, since Telus doesn't have any games. I mean, they have maybe five, but those are games that are 
across basically every chain and have been for a long time, right? Let me let me come in on that. So my take is player announced that Telos is going to be running their marketplace. Then weeks later, they announced Elixir is going to power their player. So what was it? Was Telos's technology going to run player and then they pivoted to Elixir? Or was was what I believe Telos paying GameStop for marketing clout? Say, here's 20 grand or 30 grand or 50 grand. Let us make a co-announcement that we're partners in this player system. And then later on down the track, we can just go our partners, go our separate ways. Yeah, because see, they need that cloud to win games over to the. I their think chain. it's part of the second, but like I said, like I think Telos used the opportunity to try to bring people to build with them, and yeah. were unsu- unsuccessful, right? And then once that happened, they were like, "Okay, shit, no one wants to build with us." Um, <laughs> then what do we do? Playing GameStop, <laughs> exactly, and then. GameStop says, hey, we're not going to continue our, our wallet. There goes all interaction between Telos and GameStop. There's nothing else left. And when yeah, that that's... first announcement came out about Player, I did digging and I, sh- I, I did find that their Player powered by Elixir. And it always said that on the info. Yeah. Uh, the one that Telos released never said that because they had a special one that just said, Telos X GameStop. And and that was it. So that's my feeling on it. I feel like it will continue. Uh, Elixir still has a, a heck of a lot of games on it. And um, the, the Elixir launcher actually had uh, an infographic of GameStop on there as well. Um, one of the, the community members posted that as well. So yeah. And, and Elixir plays GOG, and and uh, in the future is gonna gonna have list all of um, GOG and Epic Game Store games on it as well. So it's gonna be like an aggregator for players. Um, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the official announcement from Immutable was that we just got off the phone with them. Um, the marketplace is staying. It, we're still they're still upgrading it and they are going to be integrating Passport into it in the future. So Yeah, and, and as soon as they announced that they, they got rid of the wallet, I, I knew that... I was like, wait, why would you even continue a wallet when the Passport's here? Okay, you're, you're going to yeah. have this ability for, for everything across the board. Doesn't matter if it's on Polygon, doesn't matter if it's on what it's on. This will work. And... <clears throat> I know that, <clears throat> excuse me, I know that Loopring as well is integrating ID, uh, excuse me, creating a wallet with uh, your email as well. So account abstraction, account abstraction is coming to Loopring as well. Uh, uh, so makes a lot of sense. Do you know, I, I, I like that this is happening. I really hope that the GameStop marketplace becomes two, people need two wallets if they want to integrate with loop ring stuff and mutable stuff so it becomes two identities because how many times have you seen the people that use a gamestop wallet for both tokens and not understand that they're not equivalent tokens yeah. like i've seen so many posts i'm um, getting back to um gamestop future announcement so I had a personal message with someone pretty popular in the in the space say that you're wrong that gamestop's dead I don't know because someone got fired. Um, 
Yeah. Okay. So, so one guy gets fired, the whole platform's discontinuing yeah, based off that no, one. They're, they're just so, fear mongering. Now, I don't know if it's fear mongering. I think they just think that they're right, that the community that's saying that GameStop's leaving Web3 is right. And this is the evidence they've got that one anecdotal piece of evidence that one person's been let go from a team and given a reason. Like, do you know how many times you get let go people? I was worked in HR for 10 years. You know, how many times you say to someone, you're let go because of this reason, but it's not actually the reason? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it could just say, yeah, we're closing down the, this aspect of, of our Web3 program. You're redundant, you know? And it could be because they're not performing. Yeah. And that's just a way easier way to get rid of someone and then, then have to go through the paperwork. Exactly. Someone, uh, performance managing someone out of the business. But in saying that, like, Robbie announced that on, a, on a, one of those podcasts he went on that there is a big announcement coming. And he said, oh, I don't want to hype it up with uh, Immutable and GameStop partnership. And then after that, I was told by that person that, that it's actually been canceled. Then after that, I think, I think it was Cohen that tweeted, I made, whoever it was, someone very high up made a, a post in Discord, completely separate to in their Discord that was posted on Twitter, that there's a an, an big announcement coming with partnership with, um, with it very soon, but we're not quite ready. And both of them said the same thing, pretty much word for word. But you know, same meaning. So that's the partnership. There's something coming. I believe it's going to be a social uh, social tool. Uh, that's what's missing in the middle ecosystem. Yeah. And with the passport, so that a social tool that integrates with passport would be so would make so much sense. So yeah, I like we'll what it is. I like what IMV did. It's it it's just too much focus on the fashion and stuff like that for me my personal liking right so uh being yeah. able to have but i like what they did with like having your own room and having your own like hey you can make your avatar look however the heck you want and go into this room and you have voice chat text chat and everything you can decorate your room how you want it and stuff like that that's a lot of <clears throat> along the lines of what um Pro protocol gemini has done with the metagates um and and building your own little studio type thing they also announced in the space yesterday that Medi their protocol gemini is making a loopering org hub community hub which is basically going to be like a dedicated shared metagate experience with for the whole community um nice. so a lot is coming there loopering's really reaching out and supporting uh, a lot of these uh projects that are have stuck out and and shown that hey they're building innovating and consistently bringing back the same numbers and no one's leaving you know so that's huge um and, and on that same route uh another one of the projects that i was super excited about and um unfortunately it looks like hootie brains is no longer um there is talk of a few of the artists that were on the team there at the end they're still trying to get access to the 3d assets um and there's talk about some community members that um have a lot invested in that project uh trying to kind of piece together and and build build the thing back but i mean it it's um it's a lot yeah um i just had that problem with the computer disconnecting can you hear me yeah i can yep okay cool um the um yeah the 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 reason for that 
looks like it's mental health issue. So, and the guys just disappeared with the code base and not sharing it. So it'd be interesting. To, that was the last time I read it. I'm not sure what's happened since then. Yeah. He, um, he definitely was suffering from a lot of anxiety and, and may have gotten to a point where he felt like he didn't have a way to go forward or whatnot. Um, but you know, it kind of, it really threw me for a, a spin because he actually was, Matthew was w- one of the first people to purchase my NFTs, uh, when I was starting out and, he reached out and, and um, we had uh, I had 100 of the runestones for for Valhalla and um, th- those were like the original hey proof of concept is this even something people are interested in right and I had we had mm-hmm. sold 80 of them and we're down to like the last 20 and just under 80 of them we were we were down to about 23 or so. And he, he had reached out to, to us and he's like, hey, we want I want to buy the last 20, pay you above floor value or what you're asking. And I want to disperse them to my community, <laughs> you know, and yes. it's it was something I was like, dang, like, that's that's amazing. You know, and I even I still to this day have um, the the number one serial number for that uh mint that i i have saved that um you know we were gonna do a collaboration when when he launched on imx and stuff like that um so pretty pretty sad to me that um you know i was hoping that one day you know my stuff would be in something on uh, on imx and hopefully sooner than later but it it's it's not looking good so sad news sad news yeah, um, you know, there's people. There were signs that he had uh, um, mental health issues well before this announcement. So yeah, and that's what people in the community have been saying. I, I wish I had known earlier. Um, you know, we all fight our own demons. Uh, I am definitely someone to know about that. I, you know, struggled with uh, you know alcoholism, and I've been sober now for over three years, and. And I know what it's like to even in sobriety to know uh, low points and and mental illness is not uh, something to take lightly. That's for sure. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a scourge on society at the moment, isn't it? Really, it's uh, and it's it's. I don't think people that haven't suffered from it can understand it pro- truly what what it is because. You know, um, you you listen. I did a lot of research and see what people do describe and. What I took from it is that it can be so crippling on your mind that every word you speak becomes an, a huge cumbersome effort and and that that constant pressure is just drowning in your way of being. And it's not just a ha- I'm happy, I'm unhappy thing, like a lot of people think. It's not, oh, this yeah. person feels sad. It's got nothing to do with happiness and sadness. It's purely about a state of mind that is spiraling out of control. And it's, it's something very sad that I've seen a lot of people suffer from and, and people close to me, you know, go the, do the ultimate step from it. So, which is, you know, end it. Yeah. So, you know, I think before you tweet or, you know, before you tweet or say anything negative to someone that's, you know, make sure you're hundred percent certain that they're not before you do it and if you don't need to do it don't do it because 
you know, you, your your tweet could be the thing that pushes them over the edge. So, yeah, yeah. and it, it, you know, if you if you haven't heard from someone in a while, reach out to them. You know, you never know uh, what you know. And and I always go back to what Robin Williams uh, said: is it's the people that always look happy uh, that that need the help the most. You know, uh, a lot of times, which is uh, shockingly true. So, yeah. So I thought we could wrap up with uh, a few little power information about the ecosystem. Um, Perfect. So we're right at, yeah, right at that queue. Okay. Um, so Wagner games is partnered with uh, go gadget bot studios. The ones behind Fractali, uh, not Fractalians, uh, Kydro, um, that really cool. Uh, oh yeah. Kydro. Yeah. They've done a lot of art for AAA studios like Apex Legends and lots of different things. So you can see the artwork of Wagami go from, they've been talking about it for like how they're going to upgrade their art, but not telling us how they're going to do it. And it's just chalk and cheese that what they had into what this new, they, they started to release the, the the artwork of their new, of their heroes that you choose. Or yeah, the champions they were the like doing one a day or something. I've, I've been keeping up with that. It looks great. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a good move. Um, Michael Bisping's an implayable character in Block Lords. Um, Aradena Warrior uh, are looking to crowdfund um, just to get their game over the line. Um, they think they can get there without it, but if you want to be part owner of a game, here's your chance. You can jump in and chuck a few bucks in or a heap of bucks in and become a game owner and earn earnings like like a share. Um, so it's not a token, it's an actual share. So that's an interesting opportunity. I've never seen that before. Um, what else has we got? Um, there's um, Mamaguru's release leader is building leaderboards, which could make the game a little bit more fun to see if he can compete. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll um, be interesting. They've also released Act Four, um, their next stage of the story. Another very unknown, under the radar, zero followers game that's came out of stealth two years ago and then went back into it unfamiliar territory. We've had a discussion about that in the background about their um, AI use, and you're like, well, this looks like it's mid journey up because we were having actually it was related to another conversation you and I were having. Um, but I've went into their Discord and asked them like, "What well, is this? Just mid journey? What is it?" And they're like, "You have to wait and see. We've got something massive coming." So. They are not denying that their artwork they're showcasing is mid-journey. So that's different to some company showing their artwork and not telling you it's done by mid-journey. They've been saying that... they Two years ago, they told me that they're building huge AI efforts into their game. So And they reckon they've got something groundbreaking. You can sign up to play for the Play Alpha, uh, Alpha Playtest right now. Um, unfamiliar territory. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they've integrated AI to their game. What did you think about that? Yeah, um, honestly, I, I I have to see it you to believe. Know? I have to see it to believe it. Okay, because um, yeah. like I said, uh, I, I've gone through their socials. Um, it it really seems like it, it seems like something I could do with like one other person to to and chat GPT. Um, but if you if Let's you're see. saying if you're saying that they have a playable alpha of something, then I, I want to see it. We'll go sign up. Well, I'm going. I'm on my way right, right <laughs> Do it now. now. Right well, now. Well, I read the news out. <laughs> um, so, 
yeah, I'm interesting to see who's right there. Well, not right, but just to see how that outcomes. I, I believe in them. I trust them because of the interactions I've had with them. You haven't had that many interactions with them, then it just seems like too good to be true. But also, people told Elon Musk that he would never be able to land rockets, and it wasn't possible until he made it happen. So that's why I'm a believer. I'm a believer in 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 achieving the unachievable. So if they're going to do it, who knows? I hope they do. <laughs> All right, um, I'm on their site. Where the hell do I <laughs> sign up? I don't know. No, it's on uh, Twitter. There's a Twitter link on the Twitter. Oh, link. okay. Unfamiliar territory. Um, God's Unchained uh, releasing heaps of content. They've got a new mode coming out called Pauper Mode. Don't know what it is, uh, but their sealed mode is what everyone's waiting for, um, and that's the one where you can, where it adds more tokenomics. Uh, sorry, more more utility to the God's token where you can spend in game on the game to um to bet or sort of thing or to put a wager in i don't know exactly how it's going to work but there's like so much coming for that game you know there's um it i th you know once it goes mobile in the air by before the end of the year they've said then it, it will be um it'll be interesting to see what happens with all these game modes and these new ways of spending the token um shardbound playtest 2 announced well something about playtest 2 announced i think you can go register for it um and that's about it for me. Uh, also, another uh, Play Metalcore uh, beta weekend is coming up next weekend, the 18th through the 20th. Is that holder only or is it for everyone? Everyone, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I actually didn't get time to play this one gone by. I'll have to play this one. Yeah, yeah. so come check it out. I think, uh, so each, each weekend uh, beta, they're testing a different, um, uh, like, mechanic of it so i think this next weekend is going to be fun i forgot what exactly it was but um i remember reading it and being like oh hell yes i'm in so cool oh yeah one last thing as well the um ganymede new ganymede meta key founder maddie um he started building a game off that success and i have seen so many comments about how meta key looks after their 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 uh community and how people are extremely happy of holding meta keys. Um, this guy's got the money to build their new Ganymede down pat. Like he doesn't, he's doing a sale right now, a danger box sale. They don't need the money. It's more about a community, um, you know, support the community. It's $12, nothing, you know, you can go get a danger box for 12 bucks. You get a skin or an item, or it could be a legendary item. You know, it's a bit of a chance to get something great. And then if you get that, you, you know, um can be have their you know gen zero uh in-game new ganymede uh nfts so jump on board and get involved with that if you want yeah That's I, I went over there and i i minted three of the the danger boxes um i got one of the the rare out of the three so excited to to see that come forward so there's, there's actually one thing that annoyed me though so i had a little bit of f on my layer one wallet and um, but most of my F's on, on the Immutables wallet. So I logged in to buy, I just bought two boxes and it didn't give me the choice. It just pay, made me pay from the F layer one for the box that landed on the Immutable. So I had to pay gas to spend F to buy the box, which was... Yeah, same with me. Um, there there was no option to pay with Immutable X uh, ETH. So there was only the option to pay with layer one or your credit I card. Like, yeah, I get it. Like there's people that... You know, there's most of the most of the equity. You know, the the liquidity is on F layer one at the moment, and that might have been the decision. But 
it takes five minutes to move the gas the f to layer two if you want if you really want the box so or at least make two options so the people that are supportive of immutable already and got all their f on that box can choose F layer one or immutable layer two to pay for it and then get the gas free experience. What that, the whole benefit of immutable Absolutely. is gas free. Yeah, I actually so had, I had, I had more F on, on uh, immutable X and they would have had me minting more if it was there uh, because I would have compensated for the gas fees uh, as well. So, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I just think that, you know, it's kind of like if you're mute, if you're minting onto layer two, like getting the F off immutable back to layer one is the problem, not not getting it on. So there's really no need to do it. You just put a show this a two minute step on how to get your your F, you know, onto layer two if you haven't got it there already. But you know, for the, those that already there's a growing and large community on immutable, and maybe if the gas was, if the buy was gas free, they'd sell more. That's my opinion. Yeah, and I think uh, with with the advent of Coinbase's base layer two that's on optimistic rollup, um, that people are going to start to notice uh, layer twos more and realize that they're not created equal, um, and start to realize you know that they they should pay attention to the differences. So it's absolute madness to me that the community want to stay on layer one. I don't understand at all. Like it's a, it's like a, it's kind of a hive mind type uh, mentality, um, and I feel that it has to do with some of the big players uh, not necessarily wanting to give up to um, a like a, a, a different a different system, really, um, to be okay, truly decentralized. Okay. Yeah. Like it destroyed Freyful, the game that was building on Immutable permissionlessly. They were building a game. They were going to do their mint on layer two, a $20 mint. And they did a, 12, a poll just before they minted. Um, do you want this on layer one or layer two? And it was like two thirds or three, three quarters of the people voted for layer one over layer two. And then with the, at the time of the mint, the gas was $20. So the NFT was $20 <laughs> and the gas was $20 and nobody minted by a couple of people. Yeah. So they, and they, they eventually said they're going to do it on immutable next. And then, event, and then I just think that experience was like, oh, blockchain's dead. Watch this. Go back this next week, there, this next week, uh, between the 15th and the 17th, there are quite a few mints happening. I'm interested. Okay. Yeah, I, I think like Rec League is like the 17th uh, <clears throat> of this week, um, as well as some other other projects as well. I'm interested to see. Um, you know, it's layer one, so gas is going to go crazy again, and you're going to see a lot of people uh, only be able to mint certain things. Um, it looks you like the KYC ever for Rex, I believe. I saw that on Twitter. Did I? What's that? The KYC for for Rex? Yeah, I did. Yeah, um, and that and guess what? I did it when I had to give my social. Now they open it up. You don't have to give your social. My, I've never ever given KYC for a computer game, and, ne and never ever going to in the future. That just that's my stance. I uh, don't agree with much of what Stash says, but his tweet about that, I'm on his side 100. percent Like, what the hell? Like, especially your lot driver's license to some rando company that you don't know nothing about. No, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's definitely something that's, um, it, it pushed away probably 
quite a bit of, of their audience, and that's the reason they dropped it so quickly. Um, honestly, I have nothing to hide. It's not like I'm trying to uh, do anything, and I keep a close eye on my credit score and stuff like that. So <laughs> let's see, let's see what's going on. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. Um, it's not the reason for having nothing to hide. Why I don't do it? I just have a principle that you, in the crypto world, you, I'm anonymous. You know, that's why I deliberately keep it that way. I'm going to keep it that way forever. And I don't want my details being leaked out in a, in a, in a, you know, in an accidental hack or something like that. And then identity theft, all those issues we've got these days. Like I just yeah, keep no, my I feel myself, mate. That's it. It's not nothing to do with what, you know, I'm trying to hide from anything. It's just, I, I well, it's not from hide from paying taxes and things like that. Hide, it's about keeping my data safe. I've already been hacked like three times in Australia last year, including my Medibank which is our Australia has uh, personal, uh, we have private insurance as well for health. We don't have to have it because we've got Medicare system where you can get health for free. But if you do pay for it, you get benefits and tax time. So I pay for it and uh, that got hacked. So, and they showed me a leak of what they got. They literally got everything about me, bank account details, name, driver's license number, like literally everything. Yeah. Um, so, from now on, I just like if if absolutely only necessary to get my personal data. So yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, anytime you're transmitting that data over um, the internet, there's the possibility of it being leaked or um, you know tampered with. So you know, obviously, do it at your own risk. Um, but <clears throat> I I thought it was interesting they announced um, the the price of the mint. It's a hundred and fifty ape to mint a mech. And then it is 50 ape to mint um, the accessories box. Hmm. And you're going to pay gas on every single transaction. Absolutely. That'll be fun. Hopefully yeah. it's uh, $150 gas on gas wars, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cons- that. Considering, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Who, who knows? It, it's going to be interesting to see uh, a lot of mints happening this week on I wish them well. It's a. It looks like a fun game for people that like that genre. Um, it does. It does. I'm. I'm. I'm trying to figure out if I'm gonna mint or not. Um, it's a lot higher than I wanted to. Uh, so I'll probably. Yeah. I'll probably wait. See. See how it goes. Um. Not gonna die so, if I don't get in, but not a big. Not a big deal. So I wanted to uh, move on to just like one last thing to talk about is we just finished interviewing uh chrono forge they'll come out in episode 10 How, um look out for that episode as well that's a, a really interesting conversation and um you know that game i'm even more hyped after that conversation yeah that was a that was a good one to, to have um another game that i feel that's really been under the radar um and is gonna kind of come out and, and wow some people. So the reason I want to, I brought that up in this episode is because I want to ask the audience, what should we do in the future? If we do two interviews in one week, should we put two interviews in the one episode or should we just do one? Or is it this already too long? Should we just do one, one interview per, per uh, episode? <laughs>